Well, good morning again, everyone. I hope you're encouraged and inspired. As Brittany and others have said, there's no better Sundays of the church year than baptisms. And it's just so encouraging to uh, see young lives, all lives, but it's, why is it so particularly encouraging to see young lives so on fire and loving Jesus and wanting to live for him? So again, I hope and pray that you're inspired today as we gather together on this first Sunday of Advent. So you see all the beautiful trees up here. How many of you already have your tree up already? Okay, how many of you are the it has to be after December? Okay, I'm, I'm sorry I'm with you guys on that one. How many of you have been to the Festival of Trees at the Western Development Museum? A few. I went with my family the other week. It was a fun activity. Those trees are definitely beautiful. And yeah, today we are going to talk a little bit about trees. Now, why would we talk about trees? Well, you could say, well, because it's Christmas, we're going to talk about the Christmas tree. No, actually, we're going to talk about a tree in the scriptures that I would say is the most significant tree in the Bible, and it's a tree called the tree of life. Now, just talking a, a little bit more about trees. Trees are beautiful. I think we all love trees. I think when you live in, um, in climates or areas, somewhat like ours, that are a little drier and not so full of trees, maybe we appreciate trees even more than others. And this is actually true in the scriptures of ancient Palestine, that that area was a pretty arid area, and so they greatly valued their trees. You see, trees were a resource. They, trees were shelter, and trees were just beauty and often worship spots and meeting places for people. So they're, they're very, very significant. Just one fact, fun fact, as I was reading about trees, another reason that the scripture uses the image of the tree when it talks about the tree of life and how that connects to eternity is because trees are the longest living organism that we have on earth. In fact, and this is supposed to be verified by Guinness, so I hope I have my facts right, but the oldest living tree today is an unnamed bristlecone pine somewhere in the White Mountains of Northern California, and this tree is verified to be over 5,000 years old. So it's incredible how old trees can get, and, it's, and that's part of the image connection to the, the length of time and the almost eternal existence that comes from this idea from Scripture of the tree of life. Now, what's fascinating about the tree of life is that the tree of life is first introduced to us in Genesis, the very first book of the Bible. And then we don't hear about the tree of life really again until the very end of the Bible in its perhaps most famous book called the Book of Revelation. Now, what's unique about this Sunday is we're actually converging two series together. This is the last message of our storyline series where we basically went through the big picture themes of Scripture, starting from Genesis and the creation story all through the history of God's people Israel into the New Testament, the story of Christ, the start of the church, the coming of the Spirit. And now today is the last chapter and the last chapter of the big story of God is the book of Revelation. The fact that uh, Jesus conquers evil and death and wins and then gives the gift of eternal life for eternity for all. And so that is, that is where the story ends in that whole picture of eternity. But also, as we come to the end of that story today, we begin our journey of Advent. And as we said earlier, our theme this year 
for Advent is eternity. So if you can keep that together, we're going to try to end the big story and begin to see how this comes together. And I want to illustrate that whole story together by, in a sense, telling the tale of the tree from the very beginning to the very end, the significance of the tree of life. So as I said, the tree of life is mentioned three times in Genesis, three times in Revelation, but also uniquely mentioned in a metaphor kind of way, four times in the wisdom book called Proverbs. And, and we'll, look at, we'll look at that as well. Well, let's begin to investigate this tree of life and how it began. So to do that, you have to go all the way back to the book of Genesis. And the Genesis account tells us that when God created, and he created everything, including humanity, and he set them up in this beautiful garden called the Garden of Eden. And in the middle of this garden, there were two unique trees. So let's read about that. Genesis chapter 2, verse 9 says this. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So in the middle of the garden, there isn't just one significant tree, there are two. This tree of life I'm going to talk about today, but also the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's a long name for a tree, right? Now, the account of, the, the creation account, the Genesis account, talks about how the first humans, Adam and Eve, were told by God, you can eat of any tree in the garden except for the one, and that was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, if you know the story, you know what happened, and if you don't know the story, you can probably guess. Guess which tree they most wanted to eat from. Even though God said you can eat from every tree in the garden, and I'm sure there were many, and I'm sure they were beautiful, and I'm sure they had the most amazing fruit we could imagine. And yet, because God had said, don't eat from just this one, humankind and just our natural instincts, we wanted to do what we were told we couldn't do, the one thing. And so that's the sad part of the whole big God story, is that even though God created this perfect creation, the creation disobeyed turned their own way, and basically brokenness, fallenness came into the world when they ate of that tree. What I often wonder about when I reflect on this account of the, of the creation story is, yeah, it's very obvious, human nature, why they, why they were tempted by the tree they were told not to eat from, but why does it never talk about them eating from the tree of life? Have you ever thought about that? Like, was it like hard to get to? Was it because it was next to this tree? We were not really told, but I, but I often wonder if, if they were allowed to eat from every tree of the garden, had they eaten from that tree? Another thing to wonder about is, now the tree of life is symbolic with the whole idea of immortality. And so if you're a bit of a reader or a science fiction mystery lover or whatever and you've read books or thought about this whole quest through history of people longing for immortality, is like finding that tree and eating from the fruit, is it like this moment where you become immortal? Or was there more eating going on than we wonder about? We don't know, but seed some of those, some of those thoughts with you. Now, when humanity, when, when Adam and Eve, the first people, ate of the tree, of the, of, of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil, the one they weren't supposed to eat from, something changed. And as I said, brokenness and fallenness came to humanity and so God said, hmm, we got to do something about this now. So go to Genesis chapter 3, 
and listen to what God said. Genesis chapter 3, verses 22 to 24. Then the Lord God said, look, the human beings have, been, have become like us, knowing both good and evil. What if they reach out, take fruit from the tree of life, and eat it? Then they will live forever. So the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden and sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. And after sending them out, the Lord God stationed mighty cherubim to the east of the Garden of Eden. And he placed a flaming sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Now often when this passage is read and we read that humanity was banned from that perfect Garden of Eden, it seems like that was primarily an act of judgment by God. And there certainly, there certainly was um, impact from their fallenness and brokenness. But I want you also to understand that what God was also doing here was protecting his creation. You see, God realized that if in their broken state they ate of the tree of life, he did not want this broken humanity to now achieve this immortality. His heart was first to restore them before he offered them this gift of immortality or eternal life. And so a big part of what God is doing here is he's protecting them. In a sense, he's still protecting us. And that has always been the heart of God. And if, I hope if you remember every, anything from the storyline series we just went through, is that God's plan all along was he's always wanting to move towards the creation that he loves, towards all people and all nations that he loves. That's always been the heart of God. We turn from him, we reject him, but God always turns to us. All the time, God is coming up with plan after plan to reach and restore his creation. And so even from the beginning, he wanted to protect his creation until they could be restored and so that then they could receive this gift of eternal life. And so that was, that was God's heart. Now, as I said, at that point, we don't really hear about the tree of life anymore until the very, very end of the Bible, except for four unique verses that are really metaphors right in the middle of, of the book of Proverbs, which is wisdom literature. And I don't have time to unpack these, but I just want to show them to you really, really quickly because I think they're really fascinating verses, and I would encourage you to, to write them down or remember them somehow and maybe even study them on your own later. But the first one is Proverbs 3, 18. It says this, Wisdom is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Happy are those who hold her tightly. Wisdom is the tree of life. Then Proverbs eleven thirty, the fruit, of the, right, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and the one who is wise saves lives. Fascinating idea. Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is the tree of life. The tree of life is hope. And Proverbs 15.4. Gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. So those are four very interesting metaphors of the tree of life and the wisdom that that, that brings into our life. Now, besides those four times, we don't hear about the tree of life until the very end of the story. And we come to that book at the end of the Bible called Revelation. And the book of Revelation is, called, is apocalyptic literature. It's full of all kinds of imagery and incredible language and pictures and analogies. And, and because it's so full of that kind of literature, it's been a very misunderstood and 
book that's fascinated many, many for centuries. And yet, it's such a beautiful book because it's basically revealing who Jesus is and that in the end, Jesus will win, Satan will be defeated, death will be defeated, and that this gift of eternal life will be restored and God's plan will come to completion. And it's just a beautiful book of worship and victory, and yet there's so much in it that's so full of all of this imagery. So anyway, just to give you a little bit of that idea before, before we read into it. Now, as I said, the tree of life is, is revealed again in the book of Revelation. And, and it comes up first, early in the book of Revelation, in Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. Now, as I said, most of Revelation is this apocalyptic literature, but, the, but chapters 2 and 3 are a unique part of the book because it's in those two chapters that seven churches at that time are basically addressed individually by Jesus. It's like Jesus writes them a personal letter that's almost like a report card to tell them how they're doing as churches. So the first church that he writes to is a church called Ephesus, and he, in this report card message that he gives, he always tells them encouraging things about where they're doing well, then a bit of a rebuke as to where they're not doing so well, and then basically a promise to them if they'll, if they'll repent and overcome. So that's kind of what happens in each one. But in the first one, in Revelation chapter 2, when he talks about Ephesus, he says to this church, he said, you know, you're doing really well. You are very faithful, and you are very committed, and you work very hard. But he said, I have this against you. And he says, you've lost your first love. And that's, that's a, a, a line, if you've had teaching in this before, that can, that can really cut to the heart, right? And you know, it kind of hit me today when I heard the testimonies. And I saw first love. And you know, sometimes those of us who have walked with Jesus a long time can maybe get a little dull and maybe even a little cynical. And I think when we see a picture of first love, let's be inspired. Remember how Jesus said that if you're going to come unto me, you have to be like one of these little children? That picture of first love is beautiful and inspiring. And can I encourage us during this Advent season, this is going to be my prayer, as I reflect on my relationship with Jesus and what I want it to grow in in this Advent season, am I willing to ask that hard question? Have I let so many other things cloud and crowd out my life that I've lost my first love? Is Jesus truly my first love? Now, I told you that there was the promise, and here's where the tree of life comes in. Because the promise was, and it's Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. Jesus says, Whoever has ears... Let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, or I love in another translation that says, to the one who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So the promise to the overcomers, the promise to the ones that would walk victoriously. And again, you've got to remember that in context, all of these churches that Jesus is talking to were suffering under severe persecution in the days of the Roman Empire, fearing for their lives. These were not people that had eternity or heaven as kind of this hopeful thought. No, they were, they were worried about their lives almost daily. And so the whole idea of eternal life where they could be with God in safety and peace and joy forever was an incredibly hopeful thought to them. And so this promise to them, for those who overcome, who are victorious... You will get to eat from this tree of life. And Jesus says, which is in the paradise of God? 
And so when I read that, just for interest's sake, it's kind of like, it seems like when they were banished from the garden, no more tree of life until God recreates it at the very end of Revelation. And it sounds like Jesus is saying, the tree of life has been in heaven or has been in paradise all along. I wonder if Jesus is predicting, prophesying that really if you dig deeper, maybe he is the tree of life. He is the one to give us life and the life that we eat of to receive eternal life. So Jesus declares a lot in there. But let's go to the end of the book now, to Revelation chapter 22. Now, Alexis already read chapter 21, which was the beginning of the description of the very end of time when God will set up the new heaven and the new earth. And sometimes in all of the pictures, they talk about the new heaven and the new earth in the terms of a new Jerusalem or a revived Garden of Eden. So those are kind of all of those wonderful pictures that are there. So with that, let's read together Revelation 22. Starting at verse 1, it says, let's read. (laughs) Here it is. Then the angel showed me the river of of water, the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the trees of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Then down to verse 12, Jesus speaks and says, Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life, and may go through the gates of the city. So what an incredible picture of heaven, or this new heaven and new earth that God promises in the end of days. And it's it's incredible to, to look at that picture and see what God is trying to say to us here even today. When we think about this tree of life and the invitation to eat of this tree of life, how do we respond to that? Now, the first part of that verse, and I'll read it again in another translation, the verse 14 that said, Blessed are those who wash their robes. They will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and eat from the tree of life. Now, Jesus is offering their eternal life. And, and he talks about offering that to those who have washed their robes. And that's basically symbolic of those who have turned to Jesus and asked him to Forgive them, cleanse them, and give them new life. The exact picture we saw in the baptism tank today. That's what was going on in another metaphorical sense, that they were were washing their robes. And so the promise to them is, is that there then, because of what Jesus has done for us, in giving his life for us, and rising from the dead, because Jesus proclaimed the victory in his death and resurrection, that is what gives us the permission to enter in, to enter into the city or enter into heaven and to have that privilege and that right to eat from the tree of life, to receive that gift of eternal life. So that is the incredible invitation of Jesus today. That's the incredible invitation to the gift of eternity or the gift of immortality 
is the fact that Jesus can wash us and cleanse us and give us new life and give us hope. And that invitation is open to all. All. And you know, when you, when you read about that, that tree of life in that new garden, you, did you notice how it gives fruit every month? And there's lots of different kinds of fruit, and there's all, all kinds of symbolism in there too. But basically the idea is that this tree is abundant and unfailing. That this tree will never run out of fruit. You know, and I'm not sure, again, if, if eating of the tree of life is just a one-time thing. I, I have a feeling eating of the tree of life, if it's literal in the way I'm thinking of it, I think it, it's either symbolic or even actual of every day. Because, you see, I think eating of the tree of life is, in a sense, like eating of Jesus. And as followers of him, it's not just about what will happen in eternity, but as followers of him, we actually live eternity now because the promise of the life of Jesus is every day. And that's even part of our Advent journey is to reflect on the coming of Jesus in our life every day and the fact that he's going to come again. But let's live eternity now in the life of Jesus just like we will live eternity future. And then I don't know if you caught the idea of what the leaves of the tree are. But it's revealed here that the leaves of the tree are all about the healing of the nations. Why, are, why at this point in the story is it about the healing of the nations? Well, because it brings the whole storyline full circle. From the brokenness of the Garden of Eden when God longed to restore his creation And now to the very end of time, when that God of restoration, that God of love and forgiveness that loves his creation and wants to restore them, he wins. And he wants the leaves of the tree of life to bring healing to all the nations. Because that's our call today and in the future, is for all to come to know Jesus. And for us to have that desire and passion for his life, to give life to all. That is are restored of God. That is why Jesus died and rose again and wants us to eat of the tree of life, to give us this promise, because that's his heart and his love. Can we join in and let the mission be complete? We get to be a part of that mission of the healing of the nations. So I encourage you over this Advent season, let's walk in eternity now, eating daily, from the fruit of Jesus, allowing his life to fill us and continuing to remember that we are invited into the mission to let the life of Jesus bring healing to the nations, bring healing to all the people around us and in our lives. And may God just break our hearts and fill our lives. I want to ask the worship team to come. We're going to respond together. We're going to sing a song called Revelation Song. And it's a song that just shows you so much of that beautiful picture of what heaven will be like and Jesus on the throne and all of those eternal promises that are ahead. So why don't you bow in prayer with me? So Lord Jesus, we are in awe of you and we are in awe of this promise. And Lord, I thank you for this fact that we will once again be ushered before this tree of life. Lord, I pray for those today that are that are wondering about opening the door to you, Jesus, and having your life fill them. I pray that you'll give them the courage today to just simply say yes to you and to ask you to fill their lives and to give them this life that you promise. And Lord, I just would pray for that courage today. Lord, I pray for all of us who have walked with you for a long time. 
Lord, I pray that you would forgive us for where we have lost our first love. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will move in this room today and you will just pour out a fresh anointing of your love over all of your children. And Lord, as we repent of our lukewarmness and coldness, Lord, I pray for fresh fire, fresh anointing, fresh love. And oh Lord, I pray and just want to prophesy over this congregation that we will be overcomers. And that as overcomers, we will leap from that tree of life and know eternity now and forever. So Lord, I just pray this blessing and the peace of Christ and the hope of eternity over each one. In Jesus' name, amen.